0: Hello friends and welcome back. How are you doing this fine Monday? Um, I hope you're doing well. I hope you have had a good weekend that has been restful or energising or whatever it is that you have needed. And um, mine has been very chilled and I think a little bit um, of what our guest today refers to as an introvert hangover. So (laughs) when you've listened to the episode you maybe kind of get that a little bit. It's been uh, pretty much a sort of sofa duvet day, some podcast editing, uh, some reading, watching videos. I also got really into like hyper focused of creating a sort of bullet journal type thing for myself on Canva and got really carried away with that. But <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm I'm doing good. And this actually is the the first episode dropping back down to once a week which I hope works for you it definitely has felt a different energy this weekend of just having one episode to edit so really being able to focus on that uh, as well as my self-care and this episode we're diving into introversion a little bit and it's funny because we actually have two episodes this month on introversion and this is the first and really about kind of what introversion is and um the extroversion bias and on what that all is and why we should care about it and in a couple of weeks time we'll be joined by Steve Friedman and we're talking about kind of um, corporate introversion and a bit more of the leadership side which is something that we do touch on today with Joe. but um, I really hope that you enjoy this. I'm an introvert, it's something sometimes I've yeah found a bit kind of weird in that society is very extroverted as a coach That's something I've sort of come to terms with of lots of coaches are quite extroverted and seem to be very sort of on big stages and and, and, um, really have the gift of the gab and all of that kind of thing and going, oh, well, how can I do do that when I don't feel so comfortable in that space? Um, And also sometimes, you know, being quite social, oh, does that mean I'm not an introvert? And actually types, there are different types of introvert, Introvert. And introversion which is something i came across quite recently and had a look at and i am anxious at times so social anxiety is something i've mentioned before but i definitely think i fit into that kind of social introvert uh area i um i do really enjoy socializing i do really enjoy being around people but i do need to balance that with um having some space and having some downtime. and today has been blissful it's just been me and the dog loads of downtime, uh, which i really enjoyed and, The last thing I want to share before we dive into today's episode, um, I've just finished reading Braving the Wilderness by Brené Brown. Um, I've got loads of Brené Brown books that a couple I've read, a couple more to read. And this one I really wanted to dive into because she's talking about loneliness and kind of authenticity, vulnerability, all those kind of great things and true belonging, which is something I think that we all as people really want there's um, a great bit in there about the difference between fitting in and belonging, which I think she talks about in another book as well. But there was something about joy that really stood out to me because joy, as you know, if you're a regular listener, is one of my buzzwords and something when I was going through my own mental health journey, I just it just wasn't on my radar to be thinking about joy, to be trying to have joyful experiences, to even recognise the periods of joy in my life. And um, it's something in my journey that I was like, oh, joy, <laughs> this is the thing and it's amazing and I, I want to have more of it. And so one of the questions I ask everyone is, what brings you joy? Um, because I think sometimes we just maybe don't realise those moments. Uh, we can be so caught up in our head and overthinking that we don't really appreciate the things that do bring us joy and give us that uplift. But actually, Brené Brown says that actually joy is quite a scary thing thing to allow ourselves to experience and to really lean into joy truly is a really vulnerable place to really express what brings us joy and be in that it's hard to do and so I've probably really butchered (laughs) the kind of quote so in her book she breaking the world she says it's easier to live disappointed than it is to feel disappointed it feels more vulnerable to dip in and out of disappointment than to just set up camp there You sacrifice joy, but you suffer less pain. And uh, so what Brené Brown says is that joy is deeply vulnerable and that we are afraid to lean into that joy because that fear that it is going to disappear, it's going to get taken away, and then we're going to be left with disappointment or pain. So it's a more vulnerable feeling to really open ourselves to that. Um, And then what she says is the way to to kind of stay with that, when she says when we feel that quiver of vulnerability instead of dress rehearsing tragedy and waiting for the other shoe to drop let that shudder be a reminder to practice gratitude so we can quite often get into she calls it joy foreboding (laughs) so that kind of how is everything that can go wrong in this beautiful moment and actually the antidote isn't to uh, withdraw to try and avoid the disappointment to stay in just a bit of a life um, for fear of everything could go wrong it is to experience that joy and to feel gratitude and that gratitude practice allows you to feel that joy anyway that is something that is just on my mind at the moment because it's something I read and I just really loved it because yeah when I was feeling low um yeah (laughs) I didn't want to feel worse so actually joy was whether consciously it was something I avoided or just something that just just wasn't on my radar but now it definitely is something I try to make a part of my life Um, and then so yeah, a little thought for you before we dive into this. How are you allowing yourself those moments of joy? Um, And gratitude is something we've spoken about before. It's something that lots of people talk about as being really beneficial. So if you haven't tried it, have a go. But definitely enough from me for now. So we're going to dive into this conversation with Jo and I'll be back super quickly at the end.
1: Hi everyone and I'm really happy to welcome today's guest Joe to the podcast. So Joe, welcome and if you could tell us a little bit about yourself.
2: Yeah, thanks Hannah. So as Hannah said, I'm Joe. I'm a trainer, coach, facilitator, but the reason I'm here is because I identify as an introvert and I'm on a mission to shift the extroversion bias that is around in education, in business, and actually in society. So I'm here on a bit of a mission, actually.
1: Yeah, awesome. We love missions. Uh, And I also identify as an introvert. So I am (laughs) am with you on that. Um, I guess, uh, well, I feel like there's lots of sensible places we could start. But before we get onto what extroversion bias is, could you explain to us the difference between an introvert and an extrovert, please?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's such an important place to start because there are so many myths and misconceptions still about what, you know, what it is to be an introvert or what it is to be an extrovert. So I go back to Jungian principles around this because I'm a Jungian, not a Freudian. And Jung explained it that actually the brains of introverts and extroverts, although he couldn't prove it at the time, are wired differently. We can now prove that that's the case. But actually, with introverts, we're already overstimulated mentally. So when it comes to mental energy, mental kind of battery life, if you like, we need to hang on to what we've got, because being in busy, noisy, overstimulating environments just drains us even further because we are already overstimulated mentally. So an introvert is typically someone who who recharges quietly on their own, who has that kind of drain on their batteries when they're out in busy, you know, really busy society, which is completely the other end of the spectrum, if you like, from extroverts who need that external stimulation. They need social interaction. They need need active experiences in order to recharge their batteries. So the thing that drains the battery of, of an introvert recharges the battery of an extrovert. And that's where the misunderstandings start, because the people who identify as extroverts don't get why we don't want to join in with things, why we don't find certain things fun, you know, wh- why we enjoy being quiet, why we probably want to go away and eat lunch on our own, because actually it's a way of recharging. So fundamentally, it's just about mental battery, mental, mental energy, where, where we get our energy from and what drains our batteries. On top of that are the different behaviours, but actually we can all flex our behaviour to some degree or another. What we need to do is make sure that we've got enough charge in our battery to behave in whatever way the situation demands. I think the one thing I will say, though, that I think is most noticeable difference, probably between introverts and extroverts, is their communication process. Because typically an introvert... Has this think, say, think communication process. So when somebody asks us a question, we genuinely think on what our answer wants, you know, what we want our answer to be, which means there's a natural pause and, you know, we take our time to think about it and then give an answer if we're given space. But as I found out quite early on, People would ask me a question and because I hadn't answered it fast, they would assume that either I didn't know or I hadn't got an answer or I didn't care. So that's one big difference. Whereas an extrovert has this say, think, say process. You ask them a question, they'll tell you what the answer is, not even knowing whether it's their real answer. So they're not quite so attached to their responses. Some of them don't even remember what they said because it was literally just top of mind stuff that they hadn't even thought through. And, and I think that's the really noticeable bit in terms of, you know, you can spot an introvert quite often by that th- thoughtful kind of quite contemplative kind of approach, as opposed to the kind of snap, snap, snap of the immediate uh, response of an, of an extrovert. Mm,
1: that's so interesting. I love the analogy with the, you know, the, the recharging and, and filling our batteries. And, and I was thinking about how I communicate as you were saying that, and I often had them whether this is me or maybe an introvert thing you know when there's a conversation and you're like you want to like oh I've got a great thing to say and you want to like put it in but you, do, you can't find the space and then sometimes and in particular when I was younger I'd be like I'm still going to say it but actually the conversations moved on, <laughs> moved on and people are like why because is that thinking of going, like what am I going to say and then trying yeah. to find that space to say it yeah
2: Yeah, so quite often, especially in in fast-paced business meetings, the conversation moves on too fast for us to get to the say part of our process. So I think it's really, really useful for, you know, people who chair meetings, just for managers in general, for loved ones, actually, family members and teachers, to be really aware that that's just our communication process. It's not that there's something wrong. It's not that we're struggling it's just that we're thinking and we seem to have forgotten to value thinking, I think, in our busy world.
1: Mm, yeah, and um, my background's in education as a teacher actually. and there is that uh, I think now that there's time to teach about allowing thinking time, um, although probably it's in the lens of that some young people have additional learning needs maybe or need, need extra processing time. yeah, whereas actually, is maybe not just that; is that some are introverts and need that time to think and and really think through their answer and feel comfortable and confident to share that answer yeah absolutely yeah so th- thank you for sharing that I, I, I well I love all the conversations on here but particularly ones where they're relevant to me because I'm like yeah.
2: <laughs> um I, and, and I'm so I'm so pleased that you know you're as a as a ex-educationalist that you're really aware of that my my niece is a teacher and she came and watched my TEDx talk when I did it and I could see things landing with her in a way that you know she hadn't really considered before so she's now implemented a quiet table in her class which is not a punishment table but it's where kids can choose to go and sit if they want quiet time while they're working and I think that is a brilliant idea.
1: Yeah that's so amazing my um my day job our office we're about to do like a refurb and we're doing some hot desking space and some people stuff but one of the requests that has come through is for a quiet working space so that there will be that mix I've got an office I can hide in my (laughs) my office anyway but that that mix that actually some people do want and and we ask people to rate how important it is and so that we can kind of get a feel for how many people want to have that quiet space to work or yeah
2: and it'll be interesting to know the numbers because, uh, you know, the, the numbers that I've seen is about 47% of the people identi- of the in the UK identify as an introvert. Now, if, they, if we all get recruited equally, that could mean that up to far, half of any workforce identifies as an introvert. So there should be significant numbers saying, I'd like quiet space. So let's see if that comes through in your research.
1: Yeah, that'd be interesting. I'm also wondering though, whether there are certain industries and careers maybe that attract more introverts than extroverts. So whether that's going to be at play in the dynamics.
2: Yeah. So I do a lot of work with professional service firms and um, kind of technology. And I noticed that there are quite a lot of introverts in those types of professions. So you're right. I think We are drawn to certain types of work. Certainly, there are a lot in the STEM professions anyway. So I think, you know, in any of those kind of tech roles, you're going to find far more introverts, I think, than in some of the than in, say, marketing. You know, marketing tends to be um, and it's not, you know, it's not absolute, but tends to be more of the outgoing types for sure.
1: Well, that's gonna be really interesting to look at those, uh, those yeah. stats when they come in um and I just before before we kind of move on um I think the you know coming back to the energy because for, for myself uh, I you know at times I've sort of gone well I, I do like to be quite social with my friends so like does that mean and you hear this sometimes am I not really an introvert but Mm. the energy is key isn't it that I need to have that time away to recharge that I can do it up to a point I remember once I went to the theater <laughs> I sometimes go by myself because then I can just leave when I've had enough and I was watching Swan Lake it was awesome but I got to a point like I had too much people in my personal space I wasn't enjoying it anymore so I yeah I left because I'd been around people too much and I needed to recharge
2: And that's a phrase you'll often hear introverts say is that I've had enough peopling today or I'm all peopled out. And you're right. It's not that we're antisocial. It's actually, you know, I'm I'm pretty social as an introvert, but it's on my terms. My energy has to be right. And it's with people who don't drain my batteries. So I had a few contacts who I identified as dementors in the kind of Harry Potter world. And I could be with them only for a really short amount of time before I was literally kind of, you know, completely empty of energy, devoid of any energy at all. So it has to be on my terms in that you know, if they're the, if, especially if they're people who get me. So some of my extroverted friends who know me well will say, oh, Joe's about to check out. Go on, Joe, go and have a little walk, go and, you know, and they know that I need a bit of just quiet time and then I can come back in again. So you're right we're not anti-social we love socializing provided we've got enough charge in our batteries.
1: I mean I sometimes say I'm antisocial, but I (laughs) (laughs) definitely but I think that's I I spoke to someone before about social anxiety actually and the difference because that's something I experience and that that is a clearly distinct thing from the energy so I think that's a really great point to make.
2: It is and and you know what's worse I know extroverts with social anxiety Now, can you imagine how that is? They need that social interaction in order to recharge their batteries. And yet it fills them with dread and and their fear being judged all the time as they're out there. So I I think we get off quite lightly as introverts if we happen to have social anxiety. I think it's easier for us to manage than it is for extroverts, actually.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. We've gone off like on a brilliant tangent. Um, So (laughs) bring us back to... Um, the, the point you made right at the beginning about this extroversion bias and I yeah. wonder if you could explain a little bit of, of what that is.
2: Yeah so as with you know many other biases that we have in society the extroversion bias is where in our everyday business pr- processes and practices but also in education and in society they're geared up to the behaviours and the preferences of the extrovert. So. extrovert. If we start at the whole interview process, for instance, you know, we're looking for people who answer questions really powerfully and really strongly and immediately. And if if they seem to want time to think, we almost mark them down as, you know, they're hesitant, They're, they're unsure of themselves. Maybe they lack confidence. And that was one of the things that was told to me when I was a delegate on a training course and a trainer asked me a question and I didn't answer immediately. He moved on never came back to me for my answer um, and then at the end of the course he gave me feedback that I lacked confidence and I needed to speak up more well neither of those things was true It's just my communication process so from recruitment onwards and that's why I made the comment about if we're fairly represented because I think quite a lot of introverts get sifted out in early doors Um, But then if we, you know, enter the workplace, we think about open plan offices, they are geared up for people who need that buzz, that social interaction to recharge their batteries. They're a nightmare for introverts, as we were just talking about promotion process, you know, the whole career progression thing. We tend to favour those who speak up and push themselves forward. They're seen as leaders And, and, you know, everything is geared up to to look out for and favor those whose preferences for extroversion and who demonstrate extrovert behaviors. Now, as I say, we can all flex our, our behavior so I can behave in an extroverted way. I talk about it. Oh, I need to do I need to extrovert today so I can do it. But I need to recharge and have little pockets during the day where I can recharge and properly have a quiet day the next day. But in in kind of office settings, in business, it's almost like that's expected of you day after day after day after day. And think about all those organisations where there's back to back meetings and and the culture of the organisation is back to back meetings. A, when do you get the work done that was talked about in the meeting? But B, how on earth do introverts get to recharge? especially when the when the meetings aren't even chaired particularly well so it's just a talking shop and we don't actually get the you know the real stuff done so there are so many ways in which business itself is geared up for extroverts and so there is the bias I like to think it's unconscious And I think it's for some reason, you know, we've had this kind of great man leader style for, you know, although it's out of favour now, but there is still this thing about, you know, the leaders are the ones who are kind of strong, who are dominant, who push themselves forward. So many great leaders are introverts. Barack Obama, you know, identifies as an introvert and regardless of politics, you know, just think back to that calm energy, that presence that he had. And, you know, that's the type of of leadership quality that an introvert will bring, which is quite different to some of the other US leaders we've had recently.
1: (laughs) Yes. oh, Politics. Uh, It's an interesting, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because I think, like you said, leadership and politics, I sometimes, you know, have that sort of like, oh, you know, everything that's wrong with the world, maybe I'll go into politics. And then I just think, no. No. Because <laughs> it's just the idea of like having to talk to people and like canvassing,
2: no. <laughs> it, there's nothing that fills me with dread more. So as an introvert, <clears throat> I'm, I'm really awkward at networking. And for me, politics is a lot of kind of schmoozing, a lot of networking, as you say, a lot of canvassing, all that sort of stuff. I can do it because I have a strategy now, but I'm not a natural at it. And I would never volunteer to go networking. And so when it all went virtual, it's like, yes, life is so much easier. And, and you know, in the virtual world, we'll find a lot of introverts have flourished during lockdown because if they've been able to work from home and haven't had to be in the open plan office, they'll have been more productive, their mental health will have been better, their energy will have been better. So they're not really looking forward to getting back into the office at all.
1: See, I like to have a little bit of social chat time in the office, but then I can hide in my, in my personal office. <laughs> so then I have that time yeah. uh, to recharge. But actually I found with um, when we you know working from home, I started doing quite a lot of networking, but actually because I was in my own space yeah. And you can just pretend like Zoom's crashed if it like if it's too much. But also I find, and I don't know if this again is just me, but there are different settings I find more easy to um to be in. So when it's just purely social stuff, and this might be the social anxiety speaking, that stresses me out. Um, but if it's something that I'm really excited about and passionate about, and so if I am networking around like the podcast and mental well-being, then that's fine because that's yeah kind of energy gets me through whereas if it was something else (laughs) it probably wouldn't be
2: it's interesting I've just recorded an episode where I fessed up to actually having a bit of a a kind of crisis of confidence I'd taken my confidence had taken a real hit and it was because I was being called to show up bigger and to start talking to more corporates about this aspect of neurodiversity needing to be taken into account when it comes to diversity, equity, and inclusion, for instance. And, you know, they're good at some of the other stuff, the tick box stuff, but not so good at this. And what I realised is, and I've said for some time, I have a mantra that, which is purpose plus passion trumps fear. But for some reason, it hadn't, it had stopped trumping my fear. My fear had crept back in. And I unpacked that whole kind of purpose piece and the passion piece. And where it took me back to is if we look at the etymology of passion uh, and, and it goes back to the kind of Christ's passion, which is, you know, being prepared to suffer in order to serve. And yet our, our modern day take on on being passionate is having this unbounded energy and kind of really being driven towards something. But it isn't about suffering in order to serve and I realized that actually if I am really going to be passionate about this which is so important to me I need to be prepared to suffer a bit and if that's what you know if if that's what was happening when I was being called to show up bigger then get over myself and get on with it because this needs to be talked about am am I going to be comfortable about it not always am I going to feel awkward yeah probably does it need saying absolutely
1: yeah well I yeah I'm completely with you but (laughs) for anyone who's kind of listening and is like is this really is it really a big deal like what why does it matter um and I know we've kind of I think touched on that but if you could more explicitly like why is it so important
2: yeah well You know, whatever stats we choose to believe, the the latest ones I saw were it's about 47 percent of people in the UK identify as introverts and over 50 percent in the US. Now, that's interesting because we tend to think of the US as a much more extroverted culture, but the stats show otherwise, which means that there are an awful lot more people pretending in order to fit in and get on. So what happens when, and I did it for decades, so I'm, you know, I'm a living example of this. What happens when an introvert pretends is that typically what we're doing is we're pretending to be more extroverted. So my profession is a, as a trainer and a coach. So I was working alongside colleagues who were typically men with big personalities who were more like entertainers than they were trainers and everyone loved them. So I got it into my head that actually I needed to be more like then. So I needed to be more extroverted. Well, anyone who's an introvert will know the toll that that takes. So the first thing that happens is that introverts hit overwhelm. And that's when literally we, we do that kind of had enough peopling for today or more peopled out. And we check out either mentally or sometimes physically kind of the lights are on. Nobody's in We we literally can't take anymore. And we need to pay attention to that because that's our battery early warning system going, alert, 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 You're, you're, you're losing charge here. So I've got some techniques that I refer to as my brilliant battery boosters that I can use quickly in order just to top my battery up if I need to keep going. You know, like for your phone, you can get that little battery that gives you an extra hour of juice. They're kind of like that. So they're not long term strategies. These are short term quick fixes that just keep me going. If I don't pay enough attention when I hit overwhelm, then we get into introvert hangover. And this is like the worst kind of hangover, but without the alcohol. So you haven't even had the pleasure of the alcohol. And at that time, only a duvet day will do. So literally, we're not capable of very much. We just need to bury our head under the covers, see nobody, do nothing. And if you think about many introverts, you know, that work on a traditional nine to five, Monday to Friday type routine, their weekends are probably spent a bit in introvert hangover. So they do very little, which is joyous to an introvert. But what it means is they dread that Monday morning question. Hi, what did you do at the weekend? Absolutely nothing. Oh, how boring people will say not at all, says the introvert It's exactly what I needed because we're typically so overwhelmed by the week that we need to spend the full weekend recharging. If we don't do that, and if we're compromising ourselves to that degree, the next step is introvert burnout. And that's a miserable place. I've only been there twice. And the last time it took me three months to get over. And it was where I'd been working for a big international training organisation. And I'd taken on way too much. I was pretending to be something I wasn't. And I knew it had to stop. So to cut a long story short, I left them very quickly, went home, sat in front of my computer and thought, right, now I've got to do something to generate, you know, a a pipeline of work. Nothing happened for three three months. I wasn't capable of picking up the phone. I wasn't capable of, of generating emails. I was capable of nothing. And it was only in January when I realized I've got a tax bill to pay and I've had no income for three months or so. And fortunately, a a guy I knew wanted a co-deliverer for women's development program that I was able to kind of pull myself out of it. But the, you know, talking about mental health and well-being, when introverts pretend for too long, what we're putting at risk is their mental health and they feel not enough. They feel not good enough. Most introverts have spent years or decades being told to be different the feedback we get from managers at performance reviews is you must push yourself forward more. You must speak up more. You must do this. You must do that. It's never be yourself because that's, you know, they're the qualities that we really admire. We admire that quiet reserve. We admire that resilience. We admire that resourcefulness. No, speak up more, join in more. You know, we we're told and, and that just takes its toll. So most introverts I've worked with and I'm working with are the ones who are really struggling because it's all just got too much for them so that's why people really need to take notice of this
1: yeah absolutely and you mentioned your battery boosters sorry I can't remember the exact phrase um I wonder if you could share some examples or any other kind of advice you might have for introverts to help them manage the world (laughs)
2: Yeah, absolutely. And and people are very welcome if they want to, to kind of um, get the free downloadable anyway. But the things that I include in there, now these work for me, they're not going to work for everyone, but they're great as a starter for 10 to get people thinking. So, for instance, acupressure points, that one bit on the third eye, just kind of between the eyebrows and just above, is a really good point for focus, as is the one on the top lip, just where the nose and the top lip meets, that acupressure point, because that really helps to focus and re-energize. Essential oils, lemon is brilliant. We know lavender is great for calming, but lemon is very good for focus and for energizing. Um, I also carry crystals with me. So I know lots of people who've got a little crystal tucked in their top and it's very good for, um, again, for energy. Things like um, amethyst is really good as a good all-rounder. And movement, you know, I'm a big believer in movement in order to change state, change energy. If I'm on my own, it could be a dance break. If I'm not, if I'm in a client's, you know, space, then I'll just make sure I need to go and walk and I'll walk up and down the stairs or if I can around the block because I'm you know, i a very kinesthetic person and that movement really works for me. So they're just these little things that just give us that extra little charge when we need it.
1: Brilliant. Thank you so much, Jo. I mean, I could keep talking about introversion and all of this all day. Before I ask you my set questions, I wonder if you have a final thought that you'd like to share with us.
2: Yeah, my final thought is for introverts to claim their strengths and play to them proudly you know i i remember people used to say to me not that you'd think it now but people used to say to me gosh you're so quiet aren't you and i would apologize for it whereas now what i say is thank you for noticing you know i'm i'm a really good listener and that enables me to notice things that aren't being said so thanks for noticing that as soon as I stop apologising, people get the gist that actually this is more of a strength. So, you know, it stops being a problem. So my big advice is is claim your strengths and play to them proudly.
1: Amazing advice. Thank you so much, Joe, for that. So, yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts on my set questions that I ask everyone that comes on, And the first one is what brings you joy in your life?
2: Oh, what a great question. Um, what brings me joy there are two things there's the sound of my granddaughter's laughter there's three things actually the sound of my granddaughter's laughter dance I'm a big fan of dance and the music that goes with it and ironically being of service I it brings me joy if I see the lights go on for someone if I know I've made a difference so those three things are definitely the things that bring me joy amongst others probably
1: amazing thank you for this and then the next question is sometimes similar, sometimes not, is what makes life meaningful for you?
2: What makes meaningful life meaningful for me is that kind of being of service. And it's become more meaningful for me now I'm in my 60s because it really is about tackling this extroversion bias. So, yes, I've still got my training and coaching consultancy. Yes, I still work with corporate clients. But what really matters now and the thing I want to leave as a legacy is really kind of shifting or tackling that extroversion bias.
1: Brilliant. Thank you. Uh, so my next two questions are around our overarching topic of the podcast, which is mental wellness, mental well-being. And so the first question is, what does mental wellness mean to you?
2: Oh, what a big question. Mental wellness to me means that um, I'm comfortable in my own skin. I sleep well at night and i can be myself so you know warts and all so there's there's something about when i when i feel that i have that mental wellness i can absolutely be it's like i have psychological trust in the world it's it's like i can show up and not fear criticism yeah i
1: love that it's amazing and then my follow-up question is always for yourself how you look after your mental well-being
2: so for me, it's absolutely down to the recharging piece and making sure that I have enough time for me. Um, I I have an exercise that I share with people, which is around identifying our needs as opposed to our wants. And as I always encourage people as a family to do this so that we, we're clear as a family what needs are. And my husband knows that I have a need for at least a couple of hours of quiet time and regular either trips to the spa or a detox retreats away on my own so I travel on my own quite a lot because that's part of my ongoing need in order to look after my own mental health and well-being and and it's also about having having real meaningful friends that I can be absolutely open with and who will hold me without judging me
1: yeah, amazing. Thank you so much for those. Uh, so my next question is sometimes a challenge for people. How would you describe your own mindset?
2: Oh, it's kind of easy actually, because I I have a growth mindset, is the quick way answer to that. And I'm a, a lifelong learner, I'm a sponge. I've all I've said for decades now, the day I stop learning is the day I die. And so I'm always, I I have this curiosity. I have this kind of, you know, energy for life. And I just want to know and understand and find out more. So it's definitely a growth mindset. And if I fail at something, my first thought is always, what's the lesson in that? So rather than beating myself up, which is what I used to do, it's much more around what's the lesson in that? And what can I take going forward?
1: Yeah, it's brilliant. Thank you so much, there you go easy not a challenge for everyone Uh, (laughs) uh, so my next question is one of my favorite ones to ask because I'm very curious as well and um so we like to be left with some top top tips of ideas of things that we can try and we're very much I know you said earlier about things that work for you we're very much non-prescriptive that it's not going to work for everyone but sometimes you're like I have no idea what to try so actually (laughs) throwing some ideas in that you can you can play around with so do you have a top one to three tips that you'd like to share with us
2: For mental health and well-being. Yeah, or life in general. Life in general. Um, One of them is don't take yourself too seriously. It's something that I was guilty of for far too long. And I think it goes with the introvert territory and the overthinking things. And I know that I can take myself too seriously. And I'm really learning not to take myself too seriously. The second one is, as a recovering perfectionist, (laughs) is to... is there are a couple of phrases I use now. Um, and one is done is better than perfect and it's taken me a lot to get comfortable with that, but life is so much easier. Once I can really buy into done is better than perfect because what is perfect anyway, is it ever perfect? So it might as well just get done. So they're certainly my first two. What would my third one be? This will be an interesting one. Um, I think it's the kind of be yourself it's either it's either going to be be yourself and and was it um no it wasn't Marilyn Monroe who who said the quote um better to be a Judy Garland I think better to be a first class version of yourself than a second class version of somebody else so it would it would either be that or the Marianne Williamson thing about not playing small Your playing small doesn't serve the world so it's it's definitely in that kind of territory
1: awesome thank you so much for those. Um, my next question I love to read you can't see my I don't know if you can see my shelves I mean no one else can see my shelves anyway uh so um I've started asking guests that come on if they have a recommendation for a book or a TED talk maybe um and I know you've done a TED talk we can mention that in a moment as well um but if you have a recommendation of something that's been really impactful for you that you'd like to uh, to share with us or recommend to us
2: yeah um and I too what's that Japanese? Um... Concept where you buy more books than you can ever read. Um, oh, I don't know, but I have it. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think it's I think it's um, kintsugi where okay. you yeah where you buy because it's funny. I I've bought books all of my life, and quite often three, four, six years later, someone will mention a book, and I say I've got that on my shelf. Yeah. And it, and it's one of those things that I buy them sometime knowing that it's going to be important. It's going to be useful for me. So I, too, am a, a, a real kind of avid reader. Um, Gosh, it would be hard for me to pick. So I'm going to go for my favorite TED talk. And it's by Caroline McHugh. And it's the art of being yourself. And what she talks about in that is. The the kind of inferiority where we're overly humble, the superiority complex where we think we're better than other people and the importance of finding our interiority. So that which makes us who we are. And of course, that ties in really well. So I always recommend that TED talk because it's a it's a beautiful TED talk, actually. And if I can throw a book in, I've got one here that actually I'm loving at the moment which is The Boy, The Mole, The Fox, and The Horse. And it's a beautiful book, which is um, kind of handwritten with an old-fashioned ink pen, little sayings and illustrations. And it's the type of book that you open at a page and there's something really significant there. So if I just flick it open now, um, doing nothing with friends is never doing nothing, is it? Asked the boy. And I that just reminds me of the whole companionable silence that I love, you know, with my husband. We'll we'll often go for a walk or go out for a dinner and not say very much at all, but we just enjoy each other's company. So, yeah, doing nothing with friends is never doing nothing, is it?
1: Yeah. Well, that's a brilliant uh, little one to get, isn't it? It reminds me of there's um a song I like, Japanese band, actually, um and it's something, it's called Wasted Nights, and there's a line in it about all the nights we wasted weren't, wasted actually if you're spending them with friends yeah yeah it's not a wasted night is it uh, Perfect.
2: So,
1: yeah thank you so much and so joe that brings me to my final question unfortunately because i'm having a great time <laughs> with you uh, which is where people can connect with you i know you'd mentioned the the download and your ted talk if you could give us all the details
2: yeah of course so um the probably the best place to go is to um flourishing introverts.com my website because on there you'll find my TEDx talk you'll find the quiz that helps you identify what type of introvert you are um, you'll also see my blog post and my podcast the flourishing introvert talk so it's all there and if people want the brilliant battery boosters the downloadable it's just flourishingessentials.me. dot me and if they just go onto that they'll they'll be able to download the um my version of my brilliant battery boosters
1: awesome and we'll absolutely link in the show notes so people can find you nice and easily there thank you thank you so much joe i've really enjoyed speaking with you and um it's it's always nice to chat to another introvert and um you know as i said when people come on and it's stuff that i feel is personally relevant yeah it's quite validating really isn't it to have that kind of you feel very seen don't you like oh yeah i'm not strange I'm, I am in many ways, but not in yeah. those ways yeah
2: brilliant. well I've loved it. so thank you Hannah. you've made this whole process really really easy so thank oh. you. Oh, you're welcome.
0: So massive thank you to Joe for joining us and I really loved the idea of purpose plus passion trumps fear um, and I think it's so important to get really clear. On what our purpose is and the things that light us up and that give us that passion and to not be afraid of uh, being ourselves as she said and again that quote of um, playing small serves nobody and this is something again Renee Brown uh, focused today um, in, in Braving the Wilderness she talks about you know not being afraid to put yourself out there Um, and serve the world and actually that's what the wilderness is that kind of just really showing up and sometimes you're alone in that Um, but I think it's about doing things mindfully heartfully uh, very much trusting yourself and being in service and kind of leading from the soul and heart or whatever and I think if you're doing all that and you have that purpose and that passion for what you do and you've let go of that worrying what people say because you know sort of in your heart that it is right I guess um, it's the, the right thing to be doing but not in well I don't know in any way just hopefully you kind of know the sort of feeling that I'm trying to explain and it's definitely something as I'm on the verge of um, putting new things out into the world where I am having a lot of limiting beliefs coming up Um, A lot of my own fear of perfectionism and people pleasing and and all of that. And really um, just, yeah, trying to lean into this message. And I guess that's why it's on my mind and why I'm sharing it with you in a really rambling way. That um, we all have these amazing gifts and we can be way too hard on ourselves. That we don't see the positives, we only see the negatives. That we don't have really a balanced view of ourselves at all. Um, we can be really harsh critics of ourselves and actually you have amazing strengths and gifts that people need the world needs to experience them and what you have to offer and if you are just playing small because of fear that a couple of people um and probably maybe they are named people but just anonymous them those people (laughs) might not like it um then that is really such a shame because so many people could really benefit from the gifts you have to offer. And this is a message that my coach has said to me recently, and I am trying to lean into and to let go of that fear. And so this purpose plus passion trumps fear. Um, I feel is really going to help me it really came clear like what is my purpose? What's my passion for? And let go of those expectations that fear just be me, just show up uh, in the wilderness. And uh, (laughs) just go for it. And um, there are so many quotes and little sayings that uh, that I could share around, you know, things like uh, the people that mind don't matter and the people that matter won't mind and all that kind of stuff. And I think sometimes it is just finding whatever sort of affirmation or thing that, that works for you, that you can hold on to, that when you have those doubts that will inevitably come up and the disappointments and the fear and all of those things, you have something you can hold on to and you can say it's okay, you know, it's okay, I'm afraid, it's, and that's okay, it doesn't mean I can't do this, whatever it is that is going to work for you to support you in those moments of doubt and fear, um, write it down large, put it up on the wall where you can see it, and um, don't be, a, well I was gonna say don't be afraid, but <laughs> feel the fear and do it, but um, don't let it stop you, from shining your awesome light into the world. Um, and I feel like this message is as much to me as it is to you. So um, with all that being said, stay tuned for exciting um, updates from me. I'm excited. And um, actually, if you are a parent, because my, my sort of new pivot really uh, is relevant to parents, is really about supporting you with well-being and also being able to answer some of those questions. Um, things that really commonly can be of concern to parents to be the awesome parent you want to be and have space to be the awesome person that you are looking after your own well-being and all of that and so I have a, a parent survey on the psyche coaching facebook page it's a little bit about um, what's concerning you at the moment as a parent as a person uh, and also I was talking to someone recently who was doing a retreat and I was like ding 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 Maybe I would like to do that. (laughs) And so I thought, well, let's find out what people would look for in their kind of ideal retreat, what they would want to get from that, so that I'm really creating something that other people want as well as me just being super excited about it because I get excited about a lot of things and I really want to create a space and an experience that is really nurturing and uplifting and just awesome. So if you're a parent, please do head over to the Psyche Coaching Facebook page and fill in that survey. It'll be awesome. And I also am giving away, it's running through September and beginning of October. I will do a draw of people that have one filled in the survey, two given me that email address um, so that I can contact them. But I'll be giving away a £20 Amazon voucher just as a thank you uh, for filling that in. I think that's it. Uh, we, we'll be back next Monday have a really amazing week. And if it's not amazing life, you know, life can be difficult. We can have challenges. Just really know that you are amazing. You have so many gifts. You are such a wonderful, awesome person. I feel like I said awesome a lot, but, um, and I really appreciate you for tuning in for listening. Every single one of you, I really appreciate, um, for being here and spending this time with me and allowing me uh, into your life um and yeah I'll be back Monday until then as always take care of yourself be kind to yourself and I'll speak to you soon bye for now